wow, am I on? Right, so it's very important if one is going to preach to put the little sponge in front. I know any of you are going to preach next. So, Jean-Luc, you can just uh, take the noise. Hey, good morning, everyone. Isn't it great to be back? So good to see all of your smiling faces behind the mask. I know you're smiling behind that mask. I have a couple of masks that I've just painted a smile on, you know, just, just so people know. But uh, welcome, welcome, welcome this morning. How many of you enjoyed our last series, Breathe? Yeah, that was so amazing. And, and I want you to know, we do series in this church so that we can build something deep that remains. And today we start in a new series, but that doesn't mean we let go of Breathe. You've got to keep breathing, right? Uh, but we, we really are trusting God for revival in this church. And, and our heart is that everything that you caught with Breathe forms a foundation for where we go next. I want to welcome everyone who is watching us at home. God bless you. I pray that God would visit you in your homes today or wherever you're watching from, that His presence will fall upon you in Jesus' name. Now, we start in a new Kingdom Come series. The series is called Kingdom Come. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, kingdom come. Lord Jesus, let your kingdom come in our lives. Let it come in our church. Let it come in our families. Let it come in our businesses and on earth as it is in heaven. So I am really blessed and excited to be launching this new series. And most of you will, will know that the term kingdom come was referred to by Jesus in Matthew. And if you didn't know that, now you do. Um, and the disciples came to Jesus and uh, they, they noticed that when Jesus prayed, stuff happened. Uh, he wasn't like the scabs and the parasites, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees. When Jesus prayed, stuff happened. And Jesus, the reason I move around is so that each side can see me properly. Okay, so if some of you, those of you on screen, you don't have to move your heads. But Jesus, when he prayed, he showed that he knew the Father. He didn't just pray to someone far away, it was intimate. And the disciples come to him in Matthew, and they say to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says this to them, most of you know the scripture very well, this then is how you ought to pray. Now, he wasn't giving us a script that you were supposed to just wrote, say the same thing every single day till it loses its meaning. He was giving you an understanding of the principles of prayer, how you should approach your Father in heaven, and what are the priorities in our prayer. And if this is how Jesus taught us to pray, then if you are praying differently, change the way you pray. It starts with, our Father who art in heaven. That is the term Abba. It is the intimate daddy term. So in other words, you need to have an understanding that you have a loving dad in heaven. He's not a faraway God. He's not out there somewhere watching from a distance. A song comes to mind. You have a loving father who's with you all the time. Daddy. And he's in heaven and He's watching over us. He's around us. He's all everywhere. He is glorious. And so we start with, Dad, it's so great to have a dad like you in heaven. Hallowed be your name. I worship you. I glorify you. You are worthy. You're amazing. You're majestic. Then the first thing we declare and pray is, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So on, on the prayer that Jesus taught us, this is probably a good time to open 
in prayer. Father, we do come before you this morning. We thank you that you are such a glorious Father. There's no Father on earth that could compare to you. Some of us had good fathers, some of us had not so good fathers, some of us didn't have fathers, but you are unlike any of them. You are great and glorious and loving and eternal and merciful. And we come before you with all your goodness that you, my Lord and my God, would come and fill us again this morning. We're asking as we worship you, as we glorify you, that your kingdom would come in our hearts and our minds today. Would you just say with me, Heavenly Father, your kingdom come in my life as it is in heaven. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Lord, do that for us today. Open our eyes to see what you have for us. And all God's people said, Amen. So friends, in Psalm 103, it tells us that the Lord has established His throne in heaven and He rules, His kingdom rules over everything, over all. Now, if His kingdom rules over all and He rules over everything, why did Jesus say, but <laughs> there's one place you need to pray that the kingdom will come? Why, if His kingdom rules over everything, is there one place that it still needs to come? Ever thought about that? I'm sure most of you know the answer, don't you? You know, um, let me give you, this is an introduction to our kingdom series, so I'm going to give you a brief introduction to the kingdom. How does that sound? That sounds appropriate for an introduction to the kingdom. So the kingdom of God has always existed, right? Long before creation, God was king, God was ruler. He's always ruled. He's always been sovereign. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, they're used interchangeably in Scripture, refer to where God rules and reigns. His kingdom, it's not like a place. It's, it's not like the United Kingdom. We know where it is. It's got a territory, etc. The kingdom of God refers to everywhere that God rules and reigns. Or as Matthew puts it, where God's will is done. In fact, scholars, biblical scholars will tell you that this term kingdom, certainly throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, does not refer to a static territory, but that it is dynamic in nature, referring to the rule. So wherever God rules, wherever Jesus, the King, rules, there's His kingdom. So if Jesus rules in your heart, the kingdom of heaven is right there. Are you getting this? Because raising ourselves up in a geography, in a world that we grow up in, when you say there's a kingdom, we expect to say, where is this kingdom? I want to go visit it. Well, the kingdom of heaven is not a place you go and look at as a territory. It's not like the kingdom of heaven is up there because many Christians still today think that when I pray to my Father in heaven that somehow His kingdom is up there and one day, one day... When the chariots come, Jesus, I'm going to get to go to the kingdom of heaven. Baker's Evangelical Dictionary says this, The truth of the matter is when you study the Old and New Testaments, kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven could be expressed as everywhere where God rules. So, God creates heaven and earth as an expansion of His kingdom and He creates Adam and Eve. Remember this story? Some of you have been told this story before, right? 
He creates Adam and Eve, and his goal with Adam and Eve was not that they would just serve him and just, you know, be subservient, but he says to them, I give you dominion over the earth, and God's original design in creating the earth was that it would be an extension of his kingdom, and that Adam and Eve would rule with him as sub-kings under the ultimate king. So God's original plan for mankind on the earth is that mankind would rule with him. Good. Some of you are good at reading. Now, we, we all know what happened, is that mankind, even though he was given this incredible opportunity to rule with God, God says, I give you dominion over the earth. In other words, you have dominion. The earth is your dominion. Adam and Eve, they chose, instead of ruling with him, to rebel against him. Now, there was a rebellion that took place before Adam and Eve, and that was with Lucifer. Someone great in the kingdom of heaven. He rebelled against God. He was cast out from heaven and he was cast down. And as the ultimate rebel against God, he leads Adam and Eve in rebellion. And mankind has been in rebellion ever since. And not only did he lead them in rebellion, but because Adam and Eve chose to give in to the rebel, they gave him dominion as well. They gave Satan the authority and dominion over the earth that God had given to them. And Satan, the ultimate rebel, establishes his rebellious kingdom, referred to in Scripture as the domain of darkness. Sad story. Incredible plan. Bad outcome. And now, even Jesus refers to Satan as the ruler of this world. Amen. Let's close there. God bless you. Have a good week. Ah, there's good news. Right there in the garden of rebellion, God prophesies a plan. I am going to send one. I am going to send one. And this one is going to set it all straight. And you rebel of rebels, he's going to crush your head. Yes, yeah, sure, you're going to bruise his heel. He's going to crush your head. And you have to say that with a little bit of an accent, I think. You know that it's just... And he starts to prophesy... That it's not just about those who were chosen to rule with him, rebelling against him, but he prophesies that they are going to be redeemed through him too. And God institutes this redemption plan and he prophesies it throughout scripture. But one of the greatest prophecies, I believe, on the kingdom of God is in Daniel. So if you want to turn there, that's great, but it's a lot of reading and I'm not going to read it all, so you might just be distracted. So I encourage you to go and read Daniel 2 and 7 when you get home. Okay, or afterwards, while you sit and drinking coffee, you can all stand in the garden reading Daniel 2 and 7. It's a great thing to do. But Daniel gets this revelation of the kingdom that he's so awesome, so mighty, prophesies everything that is to come right up to the coming of Jesus. And I, I, there is no picture that I could find that quite demonstrates this. Carol didn't like the one I had. And I think you should just create it in your minds. So I'm not going to put it up there. Because sometimes when you look up there, all you see is words. I want you to think about this picture, okay? Nebuchadnezzar, Israel, uh, Judah, they've all been taken captive. There, uh, there's a captivity in Babylon. Daniel is there as one of those taken captive. Nebuchadnezzar is ruling. He has this incredible kingdom over virtually all the known world. And he has a dream. Now, I don't know, how many of you have had a dream lately? I mean, my dreams don't make it into Scripture. They don't, I mean... This was a special dream. I had a dream last night. No one wants to know about it. But this one, 
Nebuchadnezzar has this dream and no one can tell him what it was. He knows what it was. He says to his magicians, his wizards, how many of you can tell me what the dream was, what it means? Only Daniel hears from heaven. And Daniel comes before Nebuchadnezzar and he says, this was your dream. And he starts to explain this dream. I want you to picture this. Right there stood before you this ginormous statue. The head of the statue was made of gold. The arms and the thorax. He called it the chest, but I, I raise spiders. So it's a thorax. <laughs> was made of silver. The belly, the thighs were bronze. The legs were iron. And the feet were a mixture of baked clay and iron. This glorious statue. And then in verse 34... While you were watching this wonderful statue, a little rock was cut out, not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet huh, and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were broken to pieces. They became like chaff on the threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain that filled the whole earth. Nebuchadnezzar must have been thinking, wow. <laughs> and then in, in chapter 7, Daniel goes and has a dream. And it's a very similar prophecy, prophesying the exact same thing, but it's got four beasts coming out of the sea. A lion, a bear, a leopard, a terrifying beast come up out of the sea. And the same interpretation for both. I'm not going to go into it because I'd, I rather want to get to the exciting part, the interpretation. So he stands before Nebuchadnezzar and he says, let's look at verse 2 first, the statue. This is what it means, Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter 2 and verse 44. In the time of those kings, each of those, by the way, represents a kingdom, right? The gold, the silver, etc. We, we, we know from hindsight, biblical scholars tell us that the gold represents Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, then the Medes and the Persians, then ancient Greece, then ancient Rome, and then the final Roman Empire with ten emperors, and that was the end. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Nothing can touch it like your statue. Nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. But it itself will endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and gold to pieces. So let's get a picture of what's going on on the earth at this time. Satan's being given rulership. He's got his domain of darkness. But he doesn't just rule as Lucifer. He rules through men who try to establish their own kingdoms. And he gets men to fight against other men, kingdom against kingdom. And it's all one big squabble because they refuse to submit to the ultimate kingdom. Wars have been fought over man's kingdom. And God comes and gives this prophecy and he says, Man, what you are trying to build is futile. There is only one kingdom that has supremacy. Supremacy. And supremacy. Now I want you to picture this, the interpretation in Daniel 7 in his dream. I want you to just close your eyes right now. Try not to go to sleep on me. I'll try and be exciting. I want you to picture this. When it says, our Father who art in heaven, what does he look like? What does this Father look like? What does heaven look like? Daniel 7, as I looked, he's here in heaven. He's caught up. Thrones were set in place. And the Ancient of Days takes his seat. His clothing was shining white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne 
was flaming with fire. It had wheels that were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him, and thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. Whew. While I'm watching all this, I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man. Jesus referred to himself regularly as the Son of Man, as fulfilling this prophecy. Coming with the clouds of heaven, and the Son of Man was brought before the ancient of days, and he was given authority, glory, sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. And here is what I consider to be the greatest part of this prophecy. I want you to catch this. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that look good? Doesn't this kingdom sound amazing? But friends, what does he do with this kingdom? The four great beasts, the four kings will pass away. But I want you to see this. Daniel 7. But the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and possess it forever. Who gets the kingdom? We do. Not them holy people out there. How many of you are them holy people of the Most High sitting right here today? We inherit the kingdom. The holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and possess it forever. Yes, forever. Now, just in case you missed it, he repeats himself in verse 27 because he wants you to catch this. Then the sovereignty, the power, the greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to who? <laughs> if, I, if you had never seen that verse... And I said to you, so who are the kingdoms under heaven, the power, the greatness, the sovereignty, who are they handed over to in the New Testament? Most people would say Jesus. Would you agree? Most people say Jesus. Jesus has that kingdom. Yes, but he gave it to us. Currently and I were talking last night, it's like so many Christians have no idea what we've been given. You've been given this amazing super spaceship and we're playing around with a little Lego in the lounge on the carpet. Jesus actually confirmed this. You don't have to look in Luke. You can just look up there. John the Baptist came. What did he say? The kingdom of heaven's coming. What did Jesus say about the kingdom? He said, don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Not only did he give you a kingdom, but he says... I have a kingdom. I'm king, Jesus, king of kings, Lord of lords. He says, I confer on you a kingdom just like, just like my father conferred one on me. We are like Jesus in this kingdom. We have everything the father has given to Jesus in this kingdom. That should make you go, wow. Could I hear a holy wow? wow. Say it backwards. Wow. <laughs> you know, Jesus spoke about the kingdom more than just about any other topic. He mentioned the kingdom, spoke about it, taught on parables on it 50 times in his teachings. How many times did Jesus mention the church? <laughs> Twice. Now, that does not mean that the church is unimportant. <laughs> the church is essential. The church is part of his kingdom plan. 
The church, for crying out loud, is the bride of the king. How many kings are not interested in their bride and want them to do well? Are you hearing me? But the church is birthed by the kingdom. It's an agent and an instrument of the kingdom. It's a mouthpiece of the kingdom. It's a part of the kingdom. And let me tell you this, unless the church recognizes what it's a part of and that the kingdom of God is the ultimate goal, is the covering, then we are going to lose the role and purpose of the church. Listen, I grew up in a church where the focus was building the local church. So all of our meetings were about well, we need new keys over there, and well, you know, uh, the seats are wearing out, and how many, pe- how many bums did we have in the seats this Sunday? Ah, yes, okay, did we meet budget? And, and, you, and these are important questions to ask, but let me tell you, I know there are a lot of churches where it's all about just building my little church, and the little church is not going to have an impact unless that church realizes we are an agent, and we are here to advance the kingdom of God. And as part of the church, the church is where I'm equipped. The church is where I'm raised up to be a disciple so that I can go out there and advance the kingdom in my community, in my society, in my workplace, in my marriage, in my family. And it's not about coming to church. It's about the church going out there and advancing the kingdom. We come to church. Very important. Please do come to church. Fifi shared that scripture. It's very important for us to gather. But if it's all about this, I've done church. No, you haven't done church fully until you've gone out there and taken the kingdom of God into every sphere that you have. Amen. So Jesus made it very clear. A lot of Christians think kingdom of heaven is where we go when we die. No. Kingdom of heaven is right here. When did the kingdom of heaven start? Are we still waiting for it? No, the kingdom of heaven will come when Jesus comes again. Well, actually, Jesus said this. John the Baptist said it. Jesus said it. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is now near. The Pharisees came to Jesus at uh, one stage, and they questioned him. Why? Because the Jews were waiting for this physical kingdom to come. And they said, when is the kingdom of God going to come? When is it coming? Because they wanted it. They'd been desiring it. They, they waiting for this kingdom where the Romans are going to be destroyed. And Jesus says something that must have blown all their minds, including his disciples. The kingdom of heaven is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or here it is. The, the women are allowed to say things as well, you know. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom came when the king came. And friends, let me say this. Jesus paid a very high price to bring us into this kingdom. We threw it away. Jesus paid a very high price to bring us back into it. To open the doors for it again. Why are we preaching this now? Because we're about to celebrate Easter, right? This was a time of year when the apostles gathered and ate chocolate. And we celebrate that, that gathering. Now this was when we celebrate Jesus bringing the kingdom. His death and resurrection. What did he do? He destroyed the kingdom of darkness that had been ruling the world for so long. He destroyed that dominion. And he set up and brought his own kingdom from heaven and said, it is back. And he did it kind of like this. I'm back. When he rose. Yeah, as the rock rolled away. I'm back. What did Jesus do when he died on the cross and resurrected? 
Colossians tells us, we give joyful thanks to the Father who qualified you to share in his inheritance of his holy people in what? The kingdom of light. All they'd had up to then was the domain of dark. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Friends, listen, as we're about to go into celebrating Easter, we need to recognize what Christ purchased for us on the cross. So many th people think, oh, Jesus died so that my sins could be forgiven so I could go to heaven. And that's great. But he did so much more than that. So much more. Jesus didn't just die so that you could go to heaven. He didn't just get raised from the dead so that you can get saved and not go to hell. He brought the kingdom of God so that your job, as long as you're here, is to bring heaven to earth. Not wait until you go to heaven. Are you getting this? Listen, I spend most of my Christian walk waiting to go to heaven. When's Jesus coming again? We're all going to go to heaven. When's the chariots coming? And so as we go into this week, I want to close with giving you three things to think about that Jesus purchased for us. Three powerful kingdom components in Christ. Okay. Firstly, I want you to consider the authority that he gave us as part of this kingdom. Man, listen, we could preach a thousand sermons just on kingdom authority. Because so many believers really don't understand the authority that Jesus purchased for us. We're still victims. We're still, oh, the devil made me do it. Oh, the devil did it. <laughs> Under the circumstances. You're not supposed to be under the circumstances. Authority, I, I'm in charge now, circumstances. When I live from earth to heaven, my circumstances affect my prayers. Oh, God, please, please, God. When I live from heaven to earth, it's like, hey, Dad, what are we doing today? Oh, what are you, okay, let's, let's go. Uh-huh, that's good. I like that. I'm going to do that. He gives us kingdom authority. Matthew 16 is where he compares the church and the kingdom. And he says, remember Peter, he gets this revelation, Jesus, you're the king, you're the Messiah. And he turns to Peter and he tells him, he had been called Simon up to that point, Reed. And he turns to him and he says, I tell you, you are no longer Reed. You are now going to be called Little Pebble, Peter, Petros. And on this rock, he's not talking about Peter, the pebble. He says, on the rock of this revelation of who I am, I am the rock. Who's the rock that struck the statue? Jesus, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades, that kingdom that Satan set up and death is not going to be able to come against it. And I give you the church. What does he give us? The keys of the kingdom. Not the keys to the kingdom. You've got to catch this because too many Christians think we just got the keys to the kingdom. I got my salvation. I got my key. When I die, I'm going to get let in. It's not the key to the kingdom, it's the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you unlock on earth, if it's been declared unlocked in heaven, I have authority to unlock it on earth. And if it's been locked up in heaven, I have authority to lock it up on earth. Oh, you foul demon, get in there. Ain't coming out. We bind that which is already bound in heaven. We loose that which is already loosed in heaven. We have the authority to do that. Who rules and reigns now? In fact, we don't even have to go, Jesus, please do something. He says, I gave it to you. 
Thank you, Jesus, for the authority. Now, in the name of Jesus, I go and I start to exercise that authority. Start it in your own life. We all know the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, we say it a lot. The devil's authority has been taken away. He has no more authority. He had authority up until Jesus took it away. Now he's got none. The only authority the enemy can have in your life is what you choose to give him. Matthew says, he comes to them at the end. His risen is about to ascend into heaven. All authority, I had it all in heaven. Psalm 103 told you that. Most of the Old Testament told you that I didn't really have it fully on earth. But now, all authority in heaven and on earth. I took it back. Therefore, you go. Hi, you go. How many of you know you go? It's like, man, you go's going to go and make disciples. Go, you go. <laughs> do it, you go. Uh, you go. What do we do with authority? We make disciples. We raise them up to take the kingdom wherever they go. We get them saved. We get them baptized. We get them obeying everything Jesus did. And then we release them. We, the holy people of God, are now in charge. Now, it doesn't just give us authority. It gives us dynamis. Thank you. I know most of you grew up having it called dunamis, but he gives us power. So he tells his disciples, they're not used to this power stuff. They're watching Jesus do all these amazing things. Woo-hoo-hoo, this is amazing. He, he, we're with him. We're with him. Then he turns to them and he says, guys, I want you to go and take the kingdom now. Uh-huh. And go preach the kingdom. Okay, we can preach. I, I think we can remember some of the things you said. No, when you preach the kingdom, this is how you do it. Let me explain what preaching the kingdom means. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Okay, we can do that. We'll, we'll go from town to town. Guys, the kingdom of heaven is near. What town do you want us to go to next year? No, no, that's not preaching the kingdom of heaven is near. How do you preach the kingdom of heaven is near? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. No one's ever done that before, Jesus, except you. That's right. Everything I've done, you can go and do. So if we're going out there preaching kingdom and want to establish kingdom, this is what it looks like. Are you sick? Well, we release healing right now. Thank you, Jesus. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have unclean, uncleansable. What's the word? Uh, 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 unhealable. Well, there is a word for it. Diseases that cannot be healed. Incurable, thank you. That's what I was looking for. But thank you. You all came up with some really great ideas. <laughs> I remember when we started in Namibia, we would just pick up the guitar, start playing. Presence of God would come. Demons come screaming out of people. Kingdom of heaven. So friends, how do you worship? Do you worship so the kingdom of heaven can come and invade your space, your heart, your mind, your soul? Or do you just worship because, oh, that's a nice song. I like this one. Oh, I, don't, I don't like that one so much. Conque, conque. I don't, I don't. Or are you worshiping Jesus, bringing kingdom of heaven? Man, so maybe you don't know the one language we've chosen, singing tongues. Bring the kingdom. Kingdom, power. In fact, Jesus, uh, before I move to the last one, Jesus said this. Again, the, the, the scabs and paras- uh, scribes and Pharisees have come to Jesus and they're blaming him of casting demons out by Beelzebub, another name for Satan. <laughs> Literally means Lord of the Flies. What a great description. 
You cast out demons by the Lord of the Flies. And he rebukes them, but he says this, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. In other words, if the kingdom has come, we cast out demons. We heal the sick. We raise the dead. We cleanse the uncurables. And then lastly, friends, this is so critical because so many people get this. Kingdom, we have authority, we have power. It's all about going and advancing the kingdom. It's all out there. Jesus, let your will be done. Your kingdom come out there as it is in heaven. But you know what? If it's going to do that, it's got to start in you. Kingdom come, will be done in me. Remember, we looked at Colossians. What did he do in Colossians? He transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Here's the powerful thing, friends, and I'm closing with this because I want you to catch this. This must be on your minds. He not only transferred you, he transformed you. He took you from a rebellious reprobate to become a righteous royal. And if you don't get that, then you will keep trying harder. Oh, I'm just going to try harder to be a good kingdom person. No, the kingdom changed you. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Behold, all things have been made new. Give me a wow. I don't know, somehow it just seems more modern than amen, but it means the same thing. Amen means let it be. Wow means that's incredible, let it be. Ephesians 4 verse 17, I want you to just catch this, but this is something that I work with all the time. God's been doing this in my life, and when it comes to us walking free, so many people are trying harder. When we talk about Victory Weekend coming up, we're not going to give you tools to try harder. We're going to give you tools to walk in your new nature. He purchased for you a new nature. It's not about, God, how do I get rid of this sin? Oh, I killed that. That, that, that man who wants to sin, he's dead. Why are you still carrying him around? I don't know how to get rid of him. Ephesians 4, you were taught in Christ to take off the old self, corrupted by its deceitful desires. Wait, wait, is that easy? Yeah, you, take, you just take him off. Let him fall to the ground, hand him over. And be made new in the attitude of your minds to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now arise up in that new self. So every time you feel tempted or, you know, that old thinking corrupted by deceitful desires that's still part of our brain's program rise we just go no hey i've taken you off i rise up in the new self created to be like god in true righteousness and holiness amen francis from japani it's my last quote victory begins with the name of jesus on your lips but it's not consummated until the nature of jesus is in your heart friends as we go into easter Ask God every morning, Father, your kingdom come in me. Your will be done in me. Show me how to walk in kingdom authority. Show me how to release kingdom power. And do it in me first that the kingdom nature would rise up and become the only nature that I live from. In Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you stand as we pray and close? You're allowed to stand at home as well if you like, but no. Lord, your word says that your kingdom is always advancing. Of the increase of your government, there will be no end. Always advancing. We want to help advance. 
Lord, I pray for every person here. By the power of your Holy Spirit right now, kingdom come in us, kingdom come in our hearts, kingdom come in our minds, kingdom come where we are corrupted by deceitful desires, release truth. Kingdom come with authority and power in every life here right now. you picture yourself however you do it but just picture yourself stepping in to the throne room of heaven the ancient of days <laughs> fire all around light and glory power then Jesus says you know I made a way for you to come and be seated with me here Thrones were put in place, and you can come and sit in one of them right here with me now. And I ask you, Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, to remove every veil over our eyes that hinders us from seeing you in your kingdom the way it truly is. 2 Corinthians 3.18 we reflect his glory but with unveiled faces so we can be transformed into his likeness his image his nature from one level of glory to the next remove the veils would you give him permission right now to remove every veil every lie that causes you to see him as less every lie about who he is or who you are just let it go and say, Lord, I want to stand and see your glory and reflect your glory that I might be transformed into your likeness from one image to the next. Wow, there, there's an anointing just right there. I see him removing veils. And if you're here today and you're not a part of this kingdom, you, unlike Colossians, have not allowed him to take you out of the domain of darkness yet and bring you into the kingdom of the light i'm going to ask you to just raise your hand i want to pray with you if you know you need to get right with jesus to go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light i want you to raise your hand really high so i can see it thank you jesus thank you lord amen won't you just say this with me glorious ancient of days Hair like fiery wool. Fire flows from before your throne. Bright light and lightning all around you. Glorious and terrifying. Yet you're my dad. Dad, I ask you, open my eyes this week to see more of you. To experience more of your kingdom. Let your kingdom increase in me. Let it increase through me. I receive the authority. I receive the power. I receive the nature of Jesus. I'm not a victim anymore. I walk out of here. In my spirit, man. 
to release you and your kingdom wherever I go. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you need prayer, I'm going to encourage you to just stay in your seat and some of our prayer people will come and pray behind you if you need prayer for anything, okay? We, we don't gather up front anymore. If you need prayer, just stay in your seat when everyone else goes. But you are welcome to join us for coffee and fellowship, but it's kingdom coffee, remember? You even see coffee differently now. I'm going to hand over to my wife to wrap up quickly with whatever uh, her and Musa have been talking about. Remember our Good Friday service. Come join us Friday. Pastor Fifi is going to be sharing. It's going to be a Fifi Friday.